I'm glad I serve him. Amen. Praise God. Nothing like trying to get a hold of some God that's weak and anemic. Can't really help you. I'm glad that I can just whisper his name. And if you're um, familiar with the presence of this mighty God, uh, you'll find him anywhere when you're familiar with him. Praise God. Uh, we want to get into our lesson this morning. Thank you all for coming out. Um, we want to keep into the book of Genesis towards the end of uh, Joseph's story. What is that? A flower. It looks like an orchid. It looks almost edible. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> Genesis, the 45th chapter. We want to read two verses of Scripture there and then go to the one that we ended up with a few weeks ago, Genesis 50 and 20. Genesis 45 and 7 says this, And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth. And to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it is not you that sent me hither, but God. He hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. His brothers and uh, his father, his family, Joseph's family at the end there in the, of Genesis of all throughout the 13 years that it took him to go through all of this stuff, they had no idea it was going to be this good. God's good, amen. And if we seem to be going through something, you have no idea what the end's going to be, but it's going to be good. Genesis 50 and 20, but as for you... Ye thought it evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Praise God. We're going to look into beauty from the brokenness. Lord bless you. You may be seated this morning. Beauty from brokenness. But what if I don't want to be broken? Well... I think the scripture says that you either fall on the rock and break yourself or the rock's going to crush you and grind you into powder. I'd rather be broken. God builds a better character of people from brokenness. And as long as we are humble before him and worship him and do his will, um, our lives are going to spring up to something beautiful that God has. Not that it's our idea. We have something else planned, don't we? We want to be this. We want to do here. We want to go here. We want to do this thing. and We want to look this way. And uh, all of that's for naught because God will make sure as long as we're close to him that we're in the right place and he can do the right thing. If there's any kind of a lesson today, I, I want to help us increase our faith. I think that um, nowadays especially, um, I want to improve my serve to him. What a mighty God we serve. I want to improve it. I, I, I don't want to rest on um, just the same old, same old, same old all the time. Uh, we're going to have revival. How many believe that? We're going to have revival, and if it's going to happen, it's going to happen through us. So we cannot keep 
the same uh, character, the same attitude, the same level of service and expect God to do all this stuff. Um, even though uh, <clears throat> the devil seems to be working overtime. Um, I already shared a, a, a spot um, <clears throat> that I think that this lesson that we look into for Joseph and uh, uh, his his life, everything that he goes through is quite timely to us. How many agree with that? But, but Raj, we're not thrown into a pit. Well, maybe. But Raj, we're not thrown into prison. Well, maybe, not literal prison. But listen, talking about prison, you can be imprisoned yourself. You can be so bound up with uh, habits with things of this world, with things that, um, I don't have my phone, it, it's over here, but that could be a prison. The book that I'm still working on and trying to finish up, it's a prison. People, some people just, they can't live without their phone. It's amazing how this has happened. And it's amazing, and I sit back and I think, man, these people, this evil cabal is so smart They'll start years ago, and they'll start just a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit. And they know that it'll grow, and it'll grow, and before you know it, you're so wrapped up with this that you can't survive, and you can't really live without your phone. So what happens is they communicate, do everything through the phone, and you know what? It's just going to get worse and worse and worse. I'm so happy today. <laughs> Rod, you're just preaching and teaching the gloom and doom. No, I'm not. I don't really. I I just trying to show you. I could spend hours up here going through the things that's going on in the news, going through the things that we're going through every day, but do not lose hope. God's in control. So it is a timely lesson, and, and, and it's more exciting in, in living for God that we get the privilege to look back and to look with those kinds of eyes to, that look towards God that say, yes, Lord, I see your hand. Yes, Lord, and it's a testimony. We are all got testimonies. We all acknowledge that God has somehow put his hand on our lives we all now acknowledge that we're in the favor of God and we see how things work. The problem is going through all of this stuff, it tries our faith, doesn't it? We get tested and tried all the time, but here today I want to kind of emphasize throughout this lesson that do not lose your faith in God. The worst thing you can do is just throw in all your chips and go away and say, I don't want to be church anymore. And I think that was kind of the plan of this pandemic. I mean, there's people that just don't want to come back to church. Really? I need you people. I need, your, I need you in this house with the presence and the anointing of God. Yeah. So it's good to look back and see how God's hand is involved in lives especially when he's so good at that. God is so good at taking nothing and making something out of it. Tell me that we weren't in a situation that we were, we were any good. 
We were bad. We were evil. We were in uh, 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 poverty. We were all messed up in our lives. Some of us were uh, uh, the town drunk. Some of us uh, were so wrapped up with drugs and other kind of things. I don't know exactly. I'm just throwing things out. But here's the point. God got involved, and God made something beautiful out of something that was messed up. Amen? He's good at that, isn't he? He takes nothing and makes something out of it. Ha! That's his specialty. Look at creation. Or use someone who's discarded by other people. God's good at that. God's good at taking up all the things that, that others have thrown away. And now that person's no good. And all of a sudden the hand of God will be on their lives. And all of a sudden things start straightening up. And all of a sudden God starts blessing them. And all of a sudden and things just kind of happen. But here we're at the point to, to believe in it. I, I believe nothing just happens in our lives. There's nothing that just constantly just happens. God's hand is in it. As long as we're in his hand, amen? He'll use somebody discard by others, family, even a tragedy. He'll use a tragedy to do his will. Hmm. His name was Samuel Finley Breeze Morris. He was born April 27th of 1791 in Charlestown, Massachusetts. He was the oldest of 11 children. Back then, only three of those 11 survived infancy. He's known as a polymath. Let me know what a polymath is. Polymath is a person of great learning in several fields of study. That's what this guy was. He was an artist. He was a scientist. He was an engineer. He was a sculptor. He was a mathematician. He was a geographer. But he showed a great interest in the latest thing back then called electricity. 1811, he graduated Yale with honors and was commissioned to do portraits of famous people because he was such a good artist. That was his uh, major interest. He painted John Adams for one, for the pre uh, one of the past presidents. But he got married to... Lucretia Harris Walker in Concord, New Hampshire in 1818. He was commissioned again to paint President James Madison along with the French General Marquis de Lafayette in 1825. It was while he was in Washington doing this portrait that he got news that his wife had had a heart attack during childbirth and had died. He immediately hurried back to Concord to find out that she had already been buried. This really messed him up. Who wouldn't? This is a tragedy that would make him determined to solve this problem of speeding up communication. Had he had known sooner, things might have been a little different. But it was just by word of mouth and a letter from a, ho a guy on a horse that delivered the situation to him. In 1830, in Albany, New York, Joseph Henry developed the ability to pass electrical current through a single wire a thousand feet and ring a bell. 1830, we're talking. Guy invented a doorbell. <laughs> so Morris took this idea. 
he developed the relay that allowed the current to go faster and further. And in 1844, Congress passed funding for the telegraph wiring from Washington to Baltimore. And within six months, there would be over 12,000 miles of telegraph wiring throughout the country. But it wasn't just the wire and the relay that we still use today. It was the creation of a code of dots and dashes for the alphabet that Morris created all because a tragedy occurred in him that we still use his code today. The first words, this is what made me interested in this. The first words that were sent across the telegraph line in 1844 was this. What hath God wrought? What hath God wrought? Look what God performed. Look what God worked out in our lives. From a tragedy to something that is so useful now. It still allows us to do things, even operate our cell phones, because from tower to tower to tower, from pole to pole to pole, from relay to relay to relay, all because this man was so... Uh, eaten up with the idea of I've got to create something or help solve this problem of the lack of speed and communication. So it's not all the time that God does something in our lives and we, we yes, we hurt. Yes, it's uncomfortable. Yes, we don't like it, but you know what? Somehow God has the ability to turn all of that into something good for mankind. Because he uses the right people. In today's society, this culture that we live in is doing its best to create its issues and to solve it on their own, leaving God out of everything. You ever notice that? The more things that come up, the least they talk about God. Or they talk about their own God. I, I saw an article last week about Satan Worship Club in an elementary school. What? Come on. It just doesn't stop. This evil cabal is going at it with full speed. They've got the pedal to the metal, so to speak, and they want to do it the best they can. They want to take our children. They want to change their, 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 their mindset when they're young. They've got the idea that if they do this now, that it will be easier when they get uh, into to middle age school or high school or something. It's, it's just not, it's not good. This is why we need to pray more. This is why we need revival like ever before. This is why you and I need to hang on to God and improve our serve. This is why, and I believe that God's going to uh, specifically anoint us even more impactful. Things are going to be uh, uh, more anointed than they were before. Why? Because it's the end times. If you do not believe this is the end times, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to say to you. Understand this, this evil has been growing. The Great Reset, it's called. Donald Trump really got him mad. So now they throw in the pandemic. They shut down. They try to control as many people as possible. Inflation mandates. Right is wrong. Up is down. Imprison the innocent. Let the criminals go unpunished. 
and you anger seems to be everywhere. I, I, I can't explain it other than this evil's all over the place. Anger is all over the place, which breeds more hatred, which breeds more violence. And every week there's a new low that we seem to sink into. That's why I think this lesson about Joseph and his life and what he goes through is important. Yeah, we're not in an Egyptian prison, but we have been forgotten. How many has been forgotten? Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, forgot it. <laughs> that's, that's really bad. Because when you think you're getting out, then you've got to stay put for two more years. So this life study of Joseph hits the spot. I don't know where we're at with him. We're either in the pit, we're in the slave block being auctioned off, we're in a prison, we're forgotten. But here's the point and here's the lesson about Joseph. He still kept his faith in God no matter what went on. And we find that when, when uh, he, he gets, God gives him the interpretation of dreams in prison. And Joseph doesn't accept all of that. He gives the glory to God. It's God that gave me the interpretation. It's not me. And even when he gets to Pharaoh's court, Pharaoh says, I hear you're the one that interprets dreams. And he gives God the credit. That's the important thing. We don't want to make ourselves big. We want God to do that. And it's, gone, and it's done by giving God the glory. So our faith gets tested, amen? Psalm 66, 10 through 12 says this, For thou, O God, has proved us and has tried us as silver is tried. How many know the more times they put it in the fire, the more times they refine it, the more times it gets purified, the hotter the fire, the better it's going to look? You, Lord, have tried us. Thou brought us into the net. Thou latest affliction upon our loins. Thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. We went through the fire and through the water, but thou brought us out into a wealthy place. All because we're in the hand of God. All because our faith is still strong. All because we didn't cash anything in. All because we didn't walk away. All because we didn't throw in the towel. All because we didn't whine and suck our thumbs and say, poor little Rod, poor me, nobody. And you know what's crazy? We think that nobody has it any worse than we do. It doesn't get any worse than what I'm going through. But God's got his hand in it. This word tried means to test, to take a keen look at. When God tests you, rejoice. Why? Because he's looking real hard at you. Why? Because he's getting ready to do something. To take a keen look at, to examine closely, to smelt or refine or to purge away. When I'm tried, I'll come forth as pure gold. My favorite author that I read a lot about is named Max Lucado. The first book that I bought of him is called On the Anvil. That's not the first one he wrote, but it's a good book. And the, the, the title pretty much explains the whole book. 
is that God wants to make you and mold you into something. He doesn't want to stop with it, but he puts you on the anvil. He puts you in the fire to get you supple enough to, that you can take the beating. He'll put you on the anvil and the hammers start going. And it's not fun. The hammer started on Joseph and it wasn't fun. The hammer started on, uh, uh, on all of us and it's not fun. But you know what? God's going to get the glory because God doesn't make anything that's not good. God doesn't make anything that's just a throwaway. We are not throwaway Christians. We are not throwaway children. He keeps his eye on all of us because he tries us and he wants, oh, Raj, you need that sharpened a little bit. Let me put you into the flame. Let me pull you out and let me douse you into the oil. Let me put you back into the hot fire and let me put you on the anvil and start pounding on you again. Why? Because I know you can go through the test. It's not easy. It's not fun. But you know what? I'm going to hold on to God. I'm going to keep trusting in his word. I'm going to do all that I can every day of my life because this evil cabal is after all of us. Spoken from experience of the father and now grandfather, I'd rather take the beating than the kids. It was hard to paddle my boys, my and it was, especially where's Matt? He's not here. Especially Matt. Matt had a way of smiling. He knew it too. He knew if I give God, if I give Dad, a, a, you know, a nice grin, what happens is we all start laughing. So that, I mean, it takes everything out. I'd rather take the beating in the kids. Do anything to me you want, but leave my kids alone. How many with me on that? You think God is? He's at least that level. Leave my kids alone, and you know what? It's hard, but you know what? The scripture says that he takes what they want to do as evil and he turns it around. All we need is 13 years. All we need is time in prison. All we need is to go to the pit. All we need is to be falsely accused. All we need to be is forgotten. But God's involved, amen? I'm glad for this church. I'm glad I can feel the presence of God. Tried. Max Lucado wrote a book specifically about that's what he does. He'll take a scripture, a chapter of a, and he'll write a whole book about it. This book's called "You'll Get Through This," and it's all about the life of Joseph, all that he goes through. You'll get through this. Because God's got a hand on you. We have nothing written down in Scripture that tells us Joseph was a whiner or a complainer, especially when he was wrongfully accused and imprisoned, then befriended and forgotten two years later. He still continued to believe that God was at work. So now you get into a place. <clears throat> How many's ever gone to a doctor appointment and I'm not a celebrity. I go to the doctor's appointment. What's the first thing you do? You check in. You say, okay, go there, have a seat. The last time I was in my doctor's uh, appointment, 
he still had the mask mandate going. So I still had to have the mask on, but I was the only one in the room. Then I started thinking, what is this? Come on, really? The only one in the room. Come on. It's crazy. It's called the waiting room. How many's ever been there? And they give you these old magazines that's like six, eight months old, a year, a few years old. And nothing's interesting. So what do you do? You grab your phone. Oops. <laughs> Start playing Scrabble or that crossword puzzle or something. Reading your Sunday school lesson. It's so called the waiting room. God's got a waiting room. The difference is... When I go to my doctor, <clears throat> is they call my name and I got to get up and go somewhere. Here's the difference in God's waiting room. He's a doctor. He comes in and sits down next to you. He's the one that picks you up and puts his arms around you and says, Rods, it's going to be all right. Let's go this way. Let's go into the exam room, the next thing. At least you know you're doing something. And you want somebody to come in and take your blood pressure and your temperature and all that kind of stuff. That doesn't happen. The nurses do it, and it's all done. But he comes in, and he sits down next to you. What doctor does that? You go from one room to the other room, and you wait some more. And you look at your watch, and, man, I've been here an hour. Why don't you just tell me my appointment's an hour later so I don't have to hurry and rush and get off from work and all that kind of stuff. No, it's called a waiting room. And you wait, and you wait some more, and you wait some more. And they come in and see you, and they go away, go away, and they come back, and you wait some more. God's waiting room. I think that's one of the hardest places to be, isn't it? That you know God's involved. But here what we have to live with is our modern uh, uh, society that we want our minute rice in 30 seconds. We want something in the dryer to be done in 15 seconds. We want to push this button and have it right away. We want people, to, you know, to go through the line and the drive through or whatever. It takes too long. It takes too long. Complain here and complain there. But you know what? When it comes to God, here's one thing you can learn today is don't complain. Here's another thing. Don't time him. Here's another thing is don't keep track of what God's doing. Just rejoice and know that he's in your hands. Just rejoice and rest in God and know that no matter what comes your way, he's going to turn it around for good. We do what's on the door. Wait. Psalms 27, 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Isaiah 29. <coughs> uh, uh, <coughs> Do I have that right? Isaiah 40. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got Isaiah 29. Verse 29, Isaiah 40. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases their strength. How many's ever come to church and you're just weak in the spirit? You don't know why. You just wore out. It's been a rough week. All the weeks aren't just, you know, roses and, and, and lollipops and rainbows. 
Sometimes it gets really hard out there. But you know what? This is why I'm glad I'm in this church. This is why I'm glad I drive all the way I drive. I don't care the cost of gas. I got to get to church. Ha! Why? Because I know when I come in here in my weak spirit, God's going to strengthen me. I'm going to shake somebody's hand. Somebody's going to give me a hug, say, God, to see you, Raj. You know how you're doing. And I'm going to feel the presence, uh, the, the refreshing presence of God. I'm going to sing and worship with God's saints. And I'm going to get strength here. Ha. He gives strength to those that are weak. Verse 30, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Why? Because I waited on God. I didn't rush the thing. I didn't hurry things along. I didn't throw down the talent saying, I've waited too long for him. I'm going to try something else. I need to understand that God's working for me no matter what comes my way. Ha. The long trail of up and down for Joseph, his failures and success, it was 13 years. But when God says it's time to come out in one day, one day, Joseph goes from the prison to the palace. One day, go get the Hebrew. Pharaoh's bothered. You, you know as well as I do, God works on the other end as long as he's kind of taking care of us, doesn't he? He works on the other people that says, I don't, we don't normally make this call, but we're calling you. That's not by mistake. God's put that in their heart to do that kind of stuff. How many's ever got one of those calls or one of those notifications? We don't normally do this, but we're doing it because I don't know why something's making me. I'm telling you what's making you. God's making you do that. Why? Because he wants me in that position. Ha. One day. From prisoner garb to a royal robe. Can you imagine what it was like? I, I can't even imagine a prison, let alone an Egyptian prison, 1,000 year B.C., Egyptian prison. What? I'm sure there wasn't any windows. And they drag you out that you've been in solitary confinement. Some of, the, some of our people today, I, I, I told you that I don't know why, but it's just evil that some of these patriots on January the 6th of last year, they're still in confinement, solitary confinement now. For what? It's just crazy. But God's going to bring them out one day. It's going to happen. I, I, I don't know how. I'm still hoping that America's got something left. I'm still hoping that things are going to happen for our good. Why? Because I believe God. Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. How many love the Lord? I know no matter what, yeah, I stumble and fall. Yeah, I scratch my knee once in a while. Yeah, I, I, I get egg on my face. But you know what? God's still going to be good. God's still going to work things out for my good. Why? Because I love him. And I am the called according to his purpose. 
<laughs> to all of us mathematicians here, God's got a different type of math equation. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Two plus two is supposed to equal four. But God's got a different kind of math. You have a favorite son named Joseph, but you add some jealous, evil brothers in there, some betraying going on. Then he goes into a pit. You add that in there. Then you add slavery into that equation. Then you put on falsely imprisoned. Then you put on forgotten. And what does it equal? It equals 13 years, but you are the second ruler in the largest kingdom in the world, and you are preserving your family and your nation. That's some crazy math. His name was Lieutenant Sam Brown. He was in Afghanistan in the early 2000s. But his Humvee rolled over an IED, and it lit up like a Roman candle. Burned over most of his body. He was bandaged, sedated, and on a ventilator. And then you add a dietician named Amy Larson who comes into his room and sees him. She had to design something that would fit because his mouth, because of the bandages and the scars, could only stick a little straw in there. I don't know how. Somehow they fell in love. 2008, they were married. All of that equation to equal a marriage, to equal a family. Now they are ministering to wounded soldiers, all because of what Sam went through and all because of Amy, the, the dietitian nurse that came in. Crazy math. Call it crazy, but God can get you from point A to point B. God will get us through all of this stuff. So don't let it bother you. We're still going to have revival anyhow. Ha. In Exodus, the first chapter, we find that Israel prospered in Goshen. The Bible says there arose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. Didn't know about him, didn't want to know about him. All he was was afraid that the Israelite people were going to be more than the Egyptians, and he feared that. So they did their best to try to extinguish the births of the Israel people. And all the stuff that comes against them, they still delivered children. All the things that come against them, they still had revival. I remember Brother R.E. Johnson back in the 90s down in the church in Naples where he preached. I still remember this message. Isn't it amazing that when people preach a tremendous message, it's forever locked back in here, and all you need is a scripture, and it all comes back to you. So when somebody takes a text from Exodus, the first chapter, I immediately think that we're going to have revival anyhow. No matter what the devil throws at us, no matter how, how hard it gets, 
no matter how many lockdowns they try to do, no how many how many tries and mandates they try to control us all, we're still going to have revival. They're not going to shut our mouths from worshiping the Lord. They're not going to try and stomp us out and say, you can't have church, but if you have church, you can only have 25% capacity. You can't sing loud. you got to keep your mask on. It's going to come again, but you know what? We're going to have revival anyhow because they cannot stop the gears and the hand of God in our lives. No matter what happens, he's going to get the beauty out of the brokenness of our lives. Stand with me. I'm finished today. Revival anyhow. Hebrews 12 and 1 says this. Wherefore, seeing we are also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. What's that mean, Rods? We're all, we've all been hit with something. We're all going through something. But we're a family. So it's important that we don't give up. It's important that we love each other. It's important that we encourage each other. I have no idea what you're going through, but I know you don't need somebody to pull you down again. I know you don't need some of this behind your back. I know you don't need any of that stuff. And the devil wants to do that. The devil wants us to be like the family of Joseph and his other 11 brothers that talked and connived and did all that kind of stuff. We don't need that. What we need is love. What we need is encouraging. What we need is we're going to get through this. What we need to do is is, uh, contact each other if you need help. Ask for help. The worst thing to do is, is be hurting and not ask for help. Worst thing to do is not call on God. Improve your serve to God. Get closer to Him than you've ever had before. We're so compassed about with such a great a cloud of witness. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin would just so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Run means I got to move somewhere. Run means I got to be in action. Run means I got to do something. Run with patience doesn't mean that I sit at home and do nothing. Run with patience doesn't mean that I do my own thing and I don't even contact other people that I miss on Sunday. Run with patience doesn't mean I follow up with other people. Run with patience doesn't mean that I just do nothing because anybody can do nothing. But God works with people that try to do something. You're telling me that all the stuff that Joseph went through, he didn't call on God. He didn't pray. Scripture says that when his brothers threw him in the pit, he was screaming and yelling. (laughs) That's the time to do it. That's the time to look up and say, Lord, I need you more than ever. So hold on. Improve your grip. Improve your serve. Love one another. Lift each other up, encourage each other, and we'll get through this because he's done it before. Amen. Let's sing. Hallelujah. Jesus, we worship you. You deserve the glory.
Hallelujah, Lord. Aren't you glad you can feel his presence in here? Thank you, Jesus. Well, I hope I've helped you somehow today. Keep your chin up. <laughs> Charge the giant with your sling. Let him have it. Because you know what? They're crumbling, and they're fearful, and they don't know what to do. But we know we have a God that we can hold on to. Lord bless you today.